Welcome to The Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We are on episode 45 of season two, the very best one yet. And here's your fun fact of the day brought to you by Professor Hearn from Santa Monica, California. Our eyeballs are connected to our subcipital muscles. So if you palpate your neck at the base of your skull and look around the room with just your eyes, you can feel the muscles contracting under your fingers. Creepy. That's why we see stars when we bonk the back of our heads. Thanks for sending in the fun fact and stay tuned till the end of the episode to find out how to submit your own fun fact. We have a special guest on today's podcast. As I'll keep the introduction short, we'd like to introduce Elena Kanicki. Uh, she's a virtual dietitian and coach helping women who lift, stop binge eating for good, get their period back without the pill, and find balance with food and fitness. She lives and works in Baltimore, Maryland. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Super excited. I'm excited to have you on the Daily Grind. Our listeners are beyond excited to learn more about your story. So I guess just to get the ball rolling, get our conversation started, can you tell our listeners out there, Elena, who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yes. So I'm Elena. I am 24 years old. So I started, this is, I think, something that we could talk about is me starting my business super early on. Um, but yeah, so I live in Baltimore. I grew up in New York City, but I moved to Baltimore uh, about two years ago uh, in with my boyfriend. And it's been fine, but, you know, COVID hit like a couple months into us being here. So it kind of sucks not being able to see my friends and family so much. We're back in New York. I'm like, like uh, Kelly said, I'm a dietitian. I started my business right out of school, right after I became a dietitian, or honestly, in the process of becoming an RD, I was already getting the show on the road with my business because I went through, uh, you know, uh, struggled with disordered eating and all the issues that I, that Kelly mentioned that I taught, that I helped my clients with all throughout college. And it was really when I started my dietetic internship, which in the States is like how we, what we have to go through this whole accreditation process to become a dietitian. And through that process, I was going through my recovery and it was something that I never thought I was going to, I really truly thought I was never going to be free from binging and just like the terrible relationship with food that I had. So once that became a reality and I recovered from it, I was like, I have to tell everybody about this because <laughs> life is so much better when you're not dealing with that stuff. So that was, that's what motivated me to just get the ball on the, get the show on the road super, super quickly. Yeah. You have quite the grind going on, Elena. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely yes. see, uh, dive into your story uh, throughout this interview and what you do on your daily grind, which is cool. So, yeah, you mentioned it. You study, you study a little bit in college. So how did you become first interested in, like, nutrition and dietetics? I went to Penn State, and I started at Penn State for actually animal science. I wanted to be a vet, or I wasn't sure. I wanted to do something with dogs. I, I wanted to be like a, I literally wanted to be Caesar Milan. If anyone knows who the dog whisperer is, I, I basically wanted to be him. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do, to do with my life. But then 
as I got in, once I started at Penn State, my freshman year of college was where my, you know, eating disorder really got bad. Um, That's when I first lost my period. That's when the binging started. I got extremely restrictive, which led to all of those things. And I was so obsessed with food and exercise that that drove me to want to become a dietitian. So it was like, I was in denial about my own issues at that time, but I still knew like, I, I'm really, I really like this stuff for whatever reason. Like it was driven sort of by an unhealthy obsession at that point. But of course, I'm so glad that I made that choice. So I, I shifted into nutrition as a result of those obsessions. And I think probably a desire to fix my own problems, even though I didn't really, hadn't really come fully to terms with the fact that I had a problem. And then, you know, thankfully Penn State has an amazing nutrition program. And now I, I'm, as a dietitian, I can work with all the people that I work with, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome to hear. I think just in regards to you tying in a life experience that you had along the way, uh, for example, for you at Penn State, what you experienced there then thus converts to where you are today in your in your daily grind and what you do for your full time job and everything, which is which is great. And as at such a young age, too, like it's not like you knew going into college that you're going to do this, but you you know, the self-discovery as well as, you know, being passionate about being interested. And now you're enjoying helping people out out in that area, which is leading me up to my next question. So kind of what led you to becoming interested in, you know, not only coaching and helping women improve their relationship with food and fitness. So yeah, kind of speed us up to today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I said, once I, so once I um, graduated college, that's really when I had my personal, like come to Jesus moment where I was like, okay, I graduated college. I was just, I was in the middle of like, you know, my fourth or fifth or sixth or a hundredth time trying to cut, you know, like in, in bodybuilding, I was very into like the bodybuilding world. So in bodybuilding, you know, you cut and you bulk. I was always focused on just completing a cut without binging. Cause I could not stop binging. I would binge every week. So, you know, I initially lost weight and got very restrictive, which is what sparked all these issues. But then when I got into bodybuilding, I was like, okay, let me just like cut some fat that I gained from binging. Let me just try to get a handle and control on this. And then once I can complete a cut, then I'll bulk, then I'll go through this whole process. So I basically spent four years just trying to complete a cut and it never worked because I would binge every single week and I couldn't stick to my macros. So, but I would still stay around the same weight. I would even sometimes lose weight, even though I was binging so much, which indicated just how much I was restricting during the week. I came home, I was in the middle of a cut with a coach. I had hired a coach that I hoped that would hold me accountable to not binge. But of course it didn't because the issue was not, accountability or willpower the issue was the deeper restriction and mindset issues that were going on so I came home I graduated I was on this super strict macro plan like super super strict uh lifting lifting routine and I just at my height of like my worst binges I was still on the pill for a missing period I couldn't get I tried getting off and seeing if I could get it back still couldn't get it back I was struggling. My digestive issues got extremely bad. My skin was getting worse. My, my blood work looked bad. I had just all these issues. And I just came to terms with the fact that I have spent the last four years trying to like all completely focused on food. I still feel terrible. I'm, I'm like, everyone thinks I'm the picture of health and fitness, but I'm clearly not. So it was like, I something needs to change. And when I decided to make that change, that's where my recovery started. And then I went through and things got better very quickly because I was very ready. And then I was, as I was going through my dietetic internship, I was listening to some podcasts and I found my business coach at the time, Libby Rothschild. I never, I knew I started to get 
the sense that I wanted to do, I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to help other women with these issues because I was starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and was like, oh, I really want to help other people be able to do this. And obviously I could do this as a dietitian, but it's, it's not so easy to do that. Like in a, a typical role as a dietitian, you kind of, you have to be controlled by your boss and there's a lot of just like typical molds that you're supposed to fit into. But when I listened to Libby's podcast, she made me realize that it's possible. Like she was doing it and she was telling other people, she was helping other female dietitians become entrepreneurs. And I was like, oh crap, this is possible. So that really put the idea in my mind that it's po- it was possible to do this. And then once I reached out to her, she was like, you can get started. You don't have to work, you know, your two years of clinical before you become private practice. You can do this right now and like get experience along the way and help people from the start. I was like, all right, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> so I just got started and I became LLC and started taking clients like as soon as I passed my RD exam. It's really great to hear, again, quite the grind. And even when you're at Penn State during your studies, did you notice or recognize other people in your program that were going through like similar experiences or just saw like a need in the market, obviously? Or So I worked, I wouldn't say other people, I'm sure many other people in my program were going through this because it's extremely common in dietetics. But I was so in denial about my own issues, I don't even think I would have been able to see it. But I did work in the sports nutrition department for like a couple years at Penn State. So I worked with a lot of athletes and it's it's very common, especially in certain sports, like weight controlled sports for people to develop eating disorders. So I got bits and pieces from that. And again, it was hard for me to, I was so removed from my own issues. So I would like, I think I would subconsciously see myself in those struggles, but I wouldn't want to admit to myself that I had an eating disorder. So I don't think I was really registering that, but looking back, definitely saw a lot of disordered eating within the sports nutrition department. I think we can see it too. Just some athletes, both uh, on the collegiate level, as well as the professional level, they they're put on the spotlight. And then also too, it's, it's kind of great to see. I think over the years too, people are becoming more open to sharing their story. Oh yeah when it comes to fitness or health or just in, in general in, in that realm. And even to outside of sports, there's people, uh, celebrities or business owners that ha- have had these issues in the past during their childhood yeah. or uh, growing up. So it's definitely in the podcast realm and we can definitely talk on that later uh, in this interview. What about also on the, on the flip side too, because you mentioned your interest in weightlifting and that's also part of what you share with, with your community were you interested in weightlifting and like strength training before college or was that something you kind of grew interest in as well? Yeah. So definitely not. I growing up, I was actually a very, so there, so when I was really young, I did, I love to like move my body and I love to be outside, but I never, I was very not competitive. So, you know, I did gymnastics for like several years and I got good to the point where it was like time for me to start competing. And, I, and that's when I stopped. I was like, Nope, not doing this. Like I, did never wanted to compete. I think it came from insecurity and just like insecurity to put myself out there and like show effort with something, try really hard just for the fear of failure. But regardless, I'm not a competitive person. So was never into athletics like that, but was, was pretty active as a child. But then once I hit puberty and became a teenager, I, I became like a crazy partier, which people who know me today are like, I can't believe who you are now versus who you were in high school. But I would cut class to go drink and show up to the next class drunk. I smoked cigarettes every day. Like I was a wild child and I didn't give a crap about nutrition or health or anything like that. Now, I still like my my family was a very like 
they were a health conscious household. So like I was exposed to uh, fruits and vegetables and everything from a young age. So I still like ate those things, but I really was not focused on any sort of health, especially not fitness. Now, once I hit my senior year of high school, this is where all my issues kind of started where I was like, okay, I had always been the bigger one in the friend group. And like, I thought when I was really younger, when I was really little, I considered myself like the fat friend. But then I kind of grew taller and like became sort of just like a normal sized, a medium sized person, not normal, medium sized person. But in my head, I still had those body image issues of like feeling when I was like chubby as a kid and I was teased kind of, even though I was kind of like a bully myself and I would like fight people back if they called me fat, <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. Um, but anyway, so all this to say, senior year is when I made the decision I wanted to lose weight and I started really dieting. And once I did that, I started with running because that just seemed like the easiest, lowest barrier to entry thing to do. I was like, all right, I'll just start running. I heard that makes you skinny and I think it's easy to go run. So I just started running and I got really into that. So, but it was, it was all for the purpose of burning calories. It was not for the purpose of enjoyment. I would just try to see, okay, if I can run three miles first, I couldn't even run a mile. Then I built my way up to run three miles. Then I built my way up to running five miles, then eight. And then I would run like six to eight miles every single day and go to the gym. So I was just, it was just all about burning calories. Now, of course there was, I also, in that process, I developed like, uh, I saw the benefits of exercise that it's tricky because it was also so disordered and causing me a lot of issues. But I also was like, Oh, it feels good when I move my body. Like that, that feels nice. It feels nice to go for a run in some ways, but then other ways I was just like depleting my body, but you get my point. Like there was a, there was a positives to it as well. I just took it to an extreme and I just grew to hate running. Cause I would just force myself even when my body desperately needed the rest. Then I, I got injured. I got like a disc out of place from just overuse and, and stuff like that. And I was, I took like two or three weeks off running and I started dating my, my boyfriend who I'm still with. And he was really into lifting and he's like, you know, if running's beating you up, maybe you should try this. Like, this is good for building muscle. I was still very focused on physique at that point. So he was like, you know, you could build muscle, you could lose fat, you'll be lean, you'll be toned. And I was like, sure, perfect. This sounds great. But when I started lifting, I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. Like I go and I actually look forward to the workouts versus the running. I was like, oh, got to go for an eight mile run in negative nine degree weather at Penn State. <laughs> but lifting was like really fun for me. So from, from the time I started until now, it's like a love affair with lifting. I love lifting. It's like the first form of structured exercise that I find to be really enjoyable. I still like going for runs sometimes and other things, but that's the main Thing that I love. So I got, I got into it at that point and it became again, unhealthy. It was just another way for me to be super focused on physique and like building muscle, but it was all for the purpose of being extremely lean and jacked. Uh, and now obviously I've found a, a balance with it through my own recovery, but that's the story with lifting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's quite the story. I've done, I'm an avid runner, so I'm on the flip side, but we can't make the general statement. Like people uh, do uh, move their body. I like, I like that you mentioned that they move it for different reasons or for yeah. what they're interested in. So like I enjoy running cause I'm, I'm really competitive in that realm. And I like to, you know, see how fast I can run or look to do what pre COVID travel to different places to participate in like a half marathon or something. But uh, yeah, you found it with, you found it with weightlifting too. That's another cool thing. You can get PRs, you can see how much you can lift all these things. You can get your heart rate up and it really 
to have that health thing. Uh, it's good to have that balance. Again, keyword that you mentioned, whether it's whatever sport you play in or just fitness in general or just walking. A lot of people do a lot of different things to move their body. So I think it's really important to do something that you enjoy and don't force yourself to do something that you, you don't enjoy because that down the road mm-hmm. leads to burnout or even more stress added to your plate. But yeah, getting back to, to you know, you starting your business, did you have like at Penn State, did you take like business classes or grow the network or kind of what was like your aha moment then in, in starting your business? Yeah. So no, I mean, we had one business class at Penn state, but there's not much in the dietetics program. It's in any dietetics program. And Penn state, I think is like one of the best. It's an amazing program. And actually their stats on like who gets into a dietetic internship are extremely high compared to national average of Penn state. They're great, but just not a focus because private practice is almost like poo-pooed for dietitians. So there was not much of that at all. Barely learned anything about that. Not much in my dietetic internship either. So I was not doing any like, th- I, I wasn't even thinking about business building at all at Penn State. But and in my dietetic internship, it was really towards the end where I started like really under, really getting into Libby's work and starting to work with her. So really all of that came from her. She taught me marketing, sales, stuff that I would never have known. Um, and just building those foundations of how to have a business was all from her. So I could not have done it without a coach. Like I hired a coach from the start. And I think that's, that's a big reason why I'm able to, you know, I started my business officially at the end of 2019. And now it's like the beginning of 2021 and I'm full-time in my, I've been full-time in my business. So that would not have been possible. I don't think if I hadn't have hired a coach. That's really great to hear. Yeah. Happy, uh, happy two-year anniversary. awesome so yeah perfect timing to be on on the podcast here on the daily grind that kind of leads me to the next question too with your your background in weightlifting as well as you know dietetics nutrition so yeah growing your instagram your your handle weightlifting nutritionist and like overall focus on uh weightlifting women is that is that just kind of from your past experiences that how you grew into that focus yeah so another thing that you learn in business and that my I, I don't work with Libby now, but um, I worked with her for like almost over a year. Another thing that you learn is like niching down and finding your ideal client and stuff. And that's uh, and that's an important part, especially in the beginning of business. I'm actually sort of expanding a bit more with that now, but that's, I think, just kind of a higher level thing happening with me now. But I think in the beginning, it's super important to get really specific on your niche so you can hone your marketing in that way. So that's what made me really niche down specifically to weightlifting women, binging, period, loss of period. Like it's very specific. And the, the misconception with marketing is, or what people think from the outside looking in is like, oh, you're going to speak to that specific person. Like that's so, that's, that's so little, so that's, so, that's a small amount of people. Why would you just like pigeonhole yourself like that? But really when you can niche down and speak, speak to a specific person, like have even just one person in your head that you're writing content for and speaking to, that's how you end up resonating with even more people because people read your words and they're so specific and emotional that they're like, oh my God, that sounds exact. That's me. Like people will read my stuff that people will really resonate with it. And are like, that's literally me. Like you're describing me. And that's a product of, I think a product of niching down and, and marketing and stuff. So I actually recently changed my handle to Elena Kanicki underscore RD because as I've done more work with more women over these past two years, I've found that you know, there's other things that I want to talk about and help with people more that I already am helping people with, like more specific eating disorder behaviors, like purging or bulimia or PCOS, 
or like digestive issues, other hormonal issues that crop up. This is all stuff that my clients have already been dealing with, but I, I'm just expanding more to other areas of women's health. But yeah, in the beginning, it was all about just niching down and finding that ideal client. And it's because I could relate. I was passionate about this subject. I knew a lot of people in the weightlifting world, especially the bodybuilding world, are just extremely obsessed with how they look and struggle with eating even more because they're going through cutting and bulking phases. They're, they're counting their macros. They're obsessive with food. They're obsessive with the gym. So I just knew there was a need for it. Yeah, really well said, Elena. Just finding that niche and then also, you know, that target audience and being able to serve serve them to the fullest. I think that's really important. Whether you're a daily grinder with a side hustle, you're just beginning your startup, any stage in the business and just kind of doubling down on what your strengths are and really capitalizing on them. And even too, I think I connected with you to be honest on something on, on Instagram in regards to one of your inspiration inspiring posts motivating around you know empowering women in this area of health and fitness because I think it's really important and like you mentioned before there's a lot of women out there uh that struggle with this issue and need to need some light shed on this so that's why we have you here on the daily grind so hopefully some of our listeners can resonate with your stories so yeah tell us more about your coaching and you mentioned a little bit in the introduction but can you just kind of explain a little bit more on some of the topics and areas that you focus on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so my main focus is any and all forms of disordered eating. And, bef and before I was focused specifically on uh, loss of period, but now I'm expanding more to just period problems in general. Because like you say, so many women struggle with disordered eating on, on all ends of the spectrum with some people having you know full-blown diagnosable eating disorders, others just not having a great relationship with food or dealing with some eating disorder behaviors but not being fully diagnosed. And then a lot of women struggle with hormonal issues that can be often intertwined with disordered eating and exercise. So my main focus is helping women heal from many different issues with their relationship with food. So this could be binge eating is the main one that I talk about, constant food thoughts where you just feel like you constantly have food on your mind, anxiety around food, fear around food. But basically all of my clients experience these in some degree. Some are not binging, but they're dealing with the, you know, constant food thoughts or anxieties around food or restriction and, and healing that from like a root cause approach, not trying to put band-aids over it, not trying to just like, especially with binging, people try to just like distract themselves from the urge to binge or put these band-aid solutions, which don't work in the long term. Um, and it really, what it all comes down to honestly is, is body image. And it's, it's not body image in the way people typically think. It's really like this obsession that we have as a culture on, or, and oftentimes women struggle with this more on placing so much of our worth on how we look. So a lot of the deep, the deep roots of my coaching are on facing your fears around food, understanding where you have, you know, a bad restrictive black and white mindset around food and healing that those deep, deep, deep issues so that you, you don't have to deal with any issues with food anymore for the rest of your life. Because I have a lot of clients who've even been through eating disorder recovery and they get to a certain place where maybe they're better than they were at the, at the darkest point of their eating disorder, but they still don't feel great around food. And that's like, people don't have to live that way. I think a lot of people just take that as like, this is normal and it's not. So that's a big focus of mine. And then also hormone stuff. The main, one, the main conditions that, I'm, that I see in my practice are PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, HA, which is hypothalamic amenorrhea or a loss of period caused by undereating and overexercise, which is the main one I see. And then just irregular periods that can be caused from, you know, a bad relationship with food. 
and thyroid issues. I see that with my clients too. So those are the main things that we work on. Wonderful. That's really great to hear that you specialize in all these areas too. And like, I feel like you're the expert when it comes to this, like from not just you're based in Baltimore, but you serve people all, all over, right? Yeah, all over the world. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's really good. Again, we, we got listeners across the globe too as well. So we love to hear it. So hopefully Yeah, I love it. It's so cool that we can reach people yeah, like that. I know. It's so cool. Especially, not even just with COVID, but even before COVID, just being able to have that global scope is so important. Again, you're making a mark on the mm-hmm. world. And, uh, you know, having, whether it's a client that you work with, like for as short as like a month or even a longer period, it's, it's really cool to see them able to achieve their personal goals or even help them down the road you helping them in the health realm, but also them gaining confidence to, to get a promotion at work or something that's outside that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're especially, uh, as you mentioned, is helping women, you know, break their strict binge cycle and they can get their periods back naturally so they can feel at peace around food in their bodies for life. Can you just tell us why that's such an important topic in today's age? Yeah, it's just so common. It's so common for women to struggle with these things. And there's a lot of misconceptions around it, especially with binging. There's just so much. There's so much. I I still don't understand how it's not. Actually, I do understand why it is. I think a lot of the binging books, programs, articles, I I read all of them. I read all of them on through all the four years I was struggling because I was just like, I would do anything. Not for lack of motivation. I would do anything to stop binging throughout that time. And I tried everything. But I think the issue is a lot of people who are even in that space, they're, they have rules and restrictions around food themselves. They're deathly afraid of weight gain themselves. And I think it's, I think it's a product of our culture of, especially in like the Western, like mainly in the Westernized countries, we have this obesity epidemic that we always talk about, which is definitely a thing, but it's causing us, I think, to just be rebound in the other way where we're so afraid of this like pa- picture that's been painted of the standard American who just eats processed food, stays on the couch all day, gets diabetes and heart disease, and we're just deathly afraid of becoming that. That there's just like there's been there's this like cultural phobia of fatness that's come about, and there's a balance to be had with it. Of course, like we want to be healthy and you know have a healthy weight for our body, but I think culturally we've kind of like stepped into this this extreme where it's like gone from one extreme and we're afraid of that extreme to the other. And it's just, it's also as a dietitian, I learn a lot about, you know, obesity and like public health and how, and how these things are connected. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that obesity, and this is like getting a little bit off topic, but that whole epidemic, or it it comes a lot from issues that we have culturally, uh, poverty issues that we have with socioeconomic stuff, just a, a lot of a lot of problems that don't just re, don't just boil down to oh this person is just eating too much not exercising enough and they're just lazy like that's that's the bias that we have so I think a lot of it comes from that and it leads to and then there's another piece of women being very traditionally being their values been placed on how they look like actually we can look back at like you know, puritanical societies and us starting out and, you know, marriage back in the day and the way women were viewed as objects and whatever. And that still carries on today. And we put some of it on ourselves in a way because we perpetuate that cycle and we continue to feed into it, which is not our fault. Like it, it's easy to do. We've all fallen, fallen victim, victim to it. But at this point, we need to actively take steps to disassociate our worth from how we look. Because as long as you're doing that, 
you're going to start to have issues with food or exercise or body image because it's just, it's not healthy. So I think that's why it's so important. And then with the hormone side of things, many women are dealing with hormonal issues and the and conventional medical doctors are just recommending the birth control pill. Like basically that's the only recommendation for most women's issues, which is great. I'm glad we have the pill, but we need to also understand other options rather than just putting a, a bandaid on the situation. So a lot of people hear my stuff and they think I'm anti-birth control pill. I'm not. Even with knowing all of the information on, you know, what potential side effects could be of the pill, it's still going to be the best choice for women, even to manage symptoms. You know, I have a friend who's a nurse and she has terrible, heavy, painful periods. She probably has something hormonal that she needs to get checked out, but she's a new nurse. She doesn't have time or energy with all the stress in her life to try to take this like root cause holistic approach. She takes the pill, puts her symptoms away. She can do that right now. And that's, that's what works for her. So I think that's just another issue. A lot of women deal with hormonal issues and they don't know where to turn. And medical doctors often just recommend the pill, which is more of a Band-Aid solution. So I think these three pieces are, are why this is so important. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, really well said, Elena. Again, shedding light, kind of going behind the scenes in regards to what you see on a daily basis for our listeners out there that are not familiar with this area. You mentioned like women having horm- hormonal issues or just struggling uh, with our cultural stress that we have, having women in that traditional role, being able to present ourselves really well and a physical appearance as well as emotional appearance as well. So yeah, I guess a follow-up question for me too is like, how important is mindset when dealing with like your relationship with food and fitness? So important. So important. It, I, I like barely ever talk about actual nutrition with my clients. <laughs> like we'll talk about some things like we there's some supplement stuff that we do and some some basic things depending on the person and you know I I take I do take some clients um in like my one-on-one coaching who are looking for a more like eating disorder informed uh approach to fat loss if they've had an eating disorder in the past that they've recovered from but they want to you know embark on some sort of physical in which case I talk more about nutrition but with my traditional clients like what I'm talking about we barely talk about that it's all mindset it's all relationship with food it's just so important. It's, it's, it's really deep work and it affects all areas of their lives. It affects their relationships, their confidence, their career, their mental health. It, it affects so many different things. So, you know, the wins that my clients experience throughout this process and when they're, when they ultimately break free and have a healthy relationship with food and healthy hormones, it's like, my dad tells me that I'm like myself again, or I'm, I, I'm closer with my husband now. Or I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm going to be a good mom to my kids and I'm not going to carry on these generational issues with food that my mom passed down to me. It's like deep stuff, deep stuff. So yeah, it's a lot of mindset. <laughs> I could definitely agree likewise too. And uh, mindset, we, we talk a lot about, you know, we're being very goal-driven on, on the daily grind as well as just help people achieve their goals, both personally or career. And that comes again living a healthy lifestyle or just, you know, s- you know, self-care, self-improvement, things above those lines. You can attest too with, with podcasting. So I want to transition over to that area. So you, you recently launched the weightlifting nutritionist podcast. Can you tell our listeners um, if they haven't came across it already, what, what you talk about on your pod? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Cause if anyone's listening, they know I can talk for hours. <laughs> I, I need to like slow down when I talk, but anyways. Yeah. So the podcast all about the things I'm talking about today. I really want it to be a, a women's health resource, especially for the women dealing with these issues. But as, as I continue, it's going to be more and more. I want to cover like a lot of different topics on women's health. But right now, it's very focused on the stuff that I'm talking about. So basically, I do two types of, of 
episodes right now. Client interviews and uh, solo topics, solo podcasts where I answer questions that I've gotten from DMs and like these big topics that I cover with clients. So like I just recorded a podcast about talking to your doctor uh, about like if you've lost your period, how to talk to your doctor, how to why the birth control pill is not a, 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 the best solution or why you should be aware of other options. I do. I did a podcast about the fear of gaining weight and answered questions like that. So all of these, all of these topics related to disordered eating and, and women's hormones. And then what I really, why I originally wanted to start it was to do those client interviews because a big thing when you're dealing with binging and all these issues we're talking about, these issues with food is it feels so isolating. You feel like you're so alone and like you're the only one struggling with this. And oftentimes, especially with binge eating, there's just nobody in your life understands it and often are just like, well, just stop eating if you don't want to eat. Like, if you don't want to eat, then don't eat. But it's like, no, I can't control it. Like, I literally cannot control it. And it's really hard when people in your life don't understand. And it's, it's ironic because all these women are out there feeling like they're the only ones struggling, but they're, they're not alone. So many women struggle. So I want the podcast to be, you know, having, I love my clients because they come on and share all these vulnerable stories and, you know, from start to finish. And it helps people when they're listening to understand they're not alone, to get some like light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, I can, I can one day get here too. This person was really struggling like me. So that's why I really want to do it because that's a big struggle in my uh, market is the just feeling alone. Lee, you're able to go on your platform and uh, help your clients share their story as well as you receive how many dms a day in regards to multiple questions in those topics you know binge eating ha list could go on and on hormone stuff so it's really cool that you're able to utilize the podcasting which has become huge in the past couple of years and really answer you know firsthand uh talk to people out there and again expand your reach so you're talking to people all over the world and people that can resonate with their stories as well as share them you know connect with people build that community and support each other along the way which is super important but yeah for our, our daily grind listeners out there do you have like best practices or i mean like I, you could probably talk for hours and hours and hours on different <laughs> topics but you mentioned like, you know, ha- binge eating, like having that urge to binge eat and especially during like certain times when you're in a social setting or with friends or family. Uh, do you have like maybe some uh, a few best practices that could be that could be of help with our listeners? Yeah. So with binge, it's really root cause is really one of two things. I argue that it's mostly restriction. But there's also is a factor that it can sometimes be a like learned emotional response. Now, I think you can have a lot of insight into if your binging is, you know, really caused by restriction based on your history. So if you have a history of dieting, a history of weight loss, a history of an eating disorder, any sort of, yeah, or, or over-exercise or compulsive exercise, these are all cues. If you're binging now, even if you think, oh, I'm not restricting anymore, I recovered from my eating disorder, or, you know, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm restricting. That's not true. You're definitely restricting. Even if you're restrict, even if either, and even if you don't feel like you're restricting calories or you're eating a lot of food, there could be subtle mental restrictions or these these what we were just talking about with body image and placing too much worth on how you look. That little subtle, those small subtleties can can lead to restrictions you're not even aware of. When my clients join my program, like the m- number one thing I almost always hear is, "Oh my god, I didn't realize how much I was restricting." Some people realize and they're in denial. But a lot of people don't even realize. So if you have that history, that's a very good indicator 
the binging is, is likely fully related to that. Now, I have had clients who struggle with mental health issues, you know, maybe even like I've had clients with bipolar disorder or some other disorders that I think have kind of predispositions to, to struggle with binging. But I would not, don't ever put your eggs in the basket of, oh, this is just an emotional thing. Cause that's what a lot of, that's like a lot of the information out there is like, oh, binging is just an emotional response. You just have to deal with, you just have to find other ways to cope with your emotions. Sure. But make sure you're clearing any and all restrictions that could be going on and really focusing in on that. Because I find nine times out of 10 with my clients, when we just deal with the restriction, yes, often when they're binging, their binges are triggered by negative emotions like stress or loneliness or sadness. But then once we deal with the underlying issues, that doesn't happen anymore. So sometimes I've had clients where we have to take a combined approach, therapy, working on past traumas and letting go of restriction, but never say, oh, it's just emotional. So if I have the desire to eat in this moment, I just won't eat. I'll just try to go take a bath or something like, no, you have to deal with, you have to deal with the restriction. So that would be what I would say, because there are like specific things I could go into, but it's it's an extremely deep topic. So I would just say, don't discount restriction that could be going on and really try to, to dig into that and lean towards basically eating whatever you want, whenever you want, which will sound insane. And I would recommend getting support with it because it's not easy to do that in the beginning when you have, especially if you've been restricting for so long, it can feel terrifying. You could want so much food that feels like you're binging all day long and you, you need support for that. But you want to err in that direction of like no restrictions. Mm -hmm. And then with time, your body will regulate itself and with the right support. Yeah, really well said, Elena. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head in regards to just the binge eating topic. And it's, it's such a big topic. And you have a personalized approach when it comes to working with your clients. And not everyone has it's there's not one solution for everyone. If you're struggling with this issue out there, and it's more than just emotional, it's like multiple factors that involved uh, to really, you know, help someone get out, overcome these challenges along the way. You, you focus with women, but you've probably seen in, in this realm, both men and women struggle from these. Oh, yeah. Disorders. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with I me. Mean, I just I'm my focus is so like, it's obvious that I focus on females, so I don't attract many men. But I did work with I had actually just one male client earlier on in my in my career. And he's he was great. He was struggling just the same way that my my other clients struggle. Same approach. He stopped binging from, you know, letting go of the restrictions the way that I do with my female clients. And yeah, men experience it too. Men definitely experience it too. I think more and more actually men are having very similar pressures where their their value is being placed on how they look too. Traditionally, it was less so and more women, but I think it's unfortunately becoming more of an all gender situation. Yeah. And even when you mentioned earlier, which is people struggling with uh, like mental health issues or bipolar or other uh, other on the uh, I guess on the flip side of just your your typical health issues. Do you think during this time of COVID, do you think that's kind of spurred those to really trigger? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All mental health issues, I think, are getting worse with COVID. I'm I'm experiencing like mental health issues that I never haven't experienced before, like feeling depressed some days when I'm not typically a depressed person. I think it's just a really hard time for all of us. But with my, with, yeah, with eating disorders, with, you know, more clinical mental health issues, like bipolar disorder and stuff like that, of course it's getting worse. And I've had, I think, I mean, my business really started to boom literally the March when the lockdown happened. And that's because I think it's no no coincidence because eating disorders just get worse. You're at home surrounded by food. 
you're you're anxious and that's causing you to to binge more or restrict more or both so yeah i think covid 100% makes this all worse mm-hmm. has, it, has it affected your business in the sense of uh, how you can communicate with your clients or but you you work with uh, n- people not just on the east coast all over are you still able to you know kind yeah. of do a virtual zoom call it's all virtual it's all virtual it's always been all virtual so i've been lucky in that way that it didn't change much on my end that's good that's good to hear you're able to still help so many people out there ban your outreach and everything which is great to hear on the on the daily grind and even coming from your personal experience just talking about your work and your business can you share with us like how you've been able to find that work-life balance oh god (laughs) how long do you have (laughs) <laughs> oh, hold on. I'm plugging in my computer. Yeah. So work-life balance. I still have not found work-life balance, but I'm getting there. So one of the, I, I hit really major burnout um, in September when, you know, business really boomed in March with COVID, like started all my group programs, shifted to mostly group programs. Now I do one-on-one as well. And I'm, I'm going to be having like offers at different price levels. I'm going to start a, actually, this is a telling you first before I told anybody else, but I'm starting and it'll be, it'll be way uh, out by the time this airs, but I'm going to start a membership, like lower, lower price offer because there's people who can't afford my group and one-on-one, but they need the help. So yeah, I got, I got into group coaching. I was getting a huge influx of clients and then just, you know, got, had so many clients, so many groups, which was great, but the job that I do is very emotional and like, I care a lot about my clients and it's, it's tough. So when they come to me, they're feeling they're, they're having, they're having immense emotional struggles and I'm good at coaching them through it. And I'm, I'm, I care a lot about them, but being not only a very empathetic person, but then also an introvert having constant calls and having them be such emotional calls is just a lot for me. So I hit that that point and I'm still recovering from the burnout, still recovering. And, you know, COVID has not made it any better because I'm away from my family. My family and friends are in New York City. New York City obviously is struggling more than other places are. So, so it's been hard. But one of the big shifts for me, I actually shifted to working with a different coach who specializes in burnout. So for me, I'm just always, I'm, I'm the person who like, I could try, I could do it on my own, but I'd rather pay somebody to help me do it faster. <laughs> so I worked with a coach who, or I'm working with a coach who specializes in burnout. And the big shift for me has been putting the focus on like what I need as a person to function optimally, because that's how I'm going to best serve my clients. And, and, you know, in the, in the long run, burning myself out is going to actually not benefit my clients. It's going to make it worse for my clients if I'm burnt out. So I'm the shift that I'm making now is building out from what I want life to look like and what I can tolerate and being compassionate with myself, not saying like, oh, I only, I only take six calls a week now with, with clients. So I have, you know, one group program and then I take four one-on-one clients at a time and that's it. So, and then, you know, I'm going to do the membership as well, other things, but before I would have said six calls a week, that's nothing. You can't do that. Like that's insane. Who do you think you are to be doing this? or working 30 hours a week. No, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to help anybody. You can't do that. But it's been a process of trying to trust my intuition and understand that setting myself up for a job that I like, and that preserves my mental health is going to be better for everybody in the long term. So building out my schedule based on what I know I need, what I need right now for my mental health, my physical health, my life, my happiness, and then building it out from there. So how many clients can I realistically take? What does my price need to be for me to hit the income that I, that I want to make? And then 
doing it that way. So that has been a big shift that's happened in like the fall to the winter and it's going well. Yeah. Building up to, you have such the grind going on, Elena, uh, really kudos to you and just being able to find that recognizing what your focus is and where keywords that you mentioned so far is just being able to optimize that. I think that's really important. You want to do something that you enjoy. You want to do something that you're enjoyed working on a daily basis and you planned it out to optimize your time as well as uh, support the the needs of your business, all the women out there that you're hel- helping them through their their own issues in mental, emotional, whatever whatever it may be. But yeah, go- going back to the grind and finding that work-life balance do you have like takeaways for our listeners out there or maybe some recommendations on things that they can do like healthy ways to de-stress in a sense? Yeah, I would say one, this is not like necessarily a tip, but more of just like a mindset shift is I think in the beginning, of, like the focus is a lot on money and just like, you want to be able to make enough money to, you know, be full time. Of course, like for me, there was a big like impact. It was impact driven as well, but I also wanted to make money, wanted to, you know, sustain myself, whatever. Um, But thinking about like, and and just think about success in general and what is success. Like, I think I viewed success as sometimes was a little bit caught up in like the number of how much money I would make a month, a year. And I just got to a point where it's like, there was this quote that, Anything that causes you to sacrifice your health, your happiness, or your relationships isn't really success. And that's what was happening for me. Like all those areas were being sacrificed. And it's just, it's not sustainable. So I think changing your definition of success can kind of be a good guidepost because once you're operating from that of, you know, what what keeps me healthy, what do I need to be healthy? What do I need to be happy? What do I need to maintain, you know, the important things in my life, like relationships and, you know, if you have kids or whatever loved ones you have in your life. Like those are the really important things in life. Sounds cliche, but I think that's an important shift to make. And then I would also say just knowing your value as a person. So one thing that helped me a lot, and this is one thing I worked on with my coach, who's she's my business coach now, but she's also kind of like a, she's like a mindset coach too. She's amazing. But one thing I worked with on her, with her was just like mapping out my values as a person, my core values. and like really like, what, where I was at when I was feeling my happiest and most fulfilled in life, where I project I, I want to be and like visualizing my future and where I want to be and really figuring out what those values are and then taking steps to live in alignment with them. So one of my values is health, for instance, and health to me looks a certain way. It means, you know, my blood work looks good. I, I can move my body in a way that, that feels good. You know, it means make sure making sure I'm getting a nutritious diet while also having a healthy relationship with food, pre- preserving my mental health, stress management. And I, I know if I'm not feeling good, it's because I'm living out of alignment with one of these values or several of these values. So coming back to that is a good guidepost for me when I'm starting to feel crappy. I can look back and say, OK, like where where am I out of balance here and what how can I how can I move more into that direction? And then just really protecting time for yourself. Like, and not judging yourself for things that you know you need that might be, seem, you know, they're against something that you think you should be. Like, for me, the call is an example. Like, I'm, in my head, when I thought of, like, six calls a week, that's what I feel like I can really tolerate. I'm like, that's crazy. I can't do that. But it's like, no, it's not. If that's what I need to be healthy and to be happy, at least at this point in my life, then that's, there's, like, you can't go beyond that. Because eventually, something's going to give. Like you can say, okay, I'll push myself and do this, 
But eventually, you're going to hit burnout. Something bad's going to happen in your relationships. You're going to sacrifice something else. It's not going to be sustainable. So I think just like really understanding your limits and then protecting those from your own judgment, from other people trying to step into those boundaries, that has been really important for me too. And protecting my time and just not being, not feeling guilty about it. Like I have like a two and a half, three hour long morning routine. And sometimes I still feel like this is so like bougie. Why am I doing this? I don't need like an hour to work out or an hour to journal. Like I could be, I could do less, but that's what makes me feel good. And that's what helps me show up better for my clients, show up better in my marketing. And it's, it's resulted in more clients, more money, more impact. And yeah. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. Yeah, these are really great takeaways, Elena, in regards to just being able to to live in alignment, uh, find that work-life balance. You gave great visualization, too, in regards to, you know, having that time for yourself and being able to, like, picture, like me, just you speaking on it, just picturing, like, what what I'm going to do down the road, what I'm going to do for the rest of 2021, uh, 2022, the next couple of years. And even too along the way, you can make adjustments. It doesn't mean like, hey, I have this picture, you know, two years from now, I'm going to do it completely 100% to it. You can definitely make edits and update things, add stuff, remove stuff. Uh, Life changes. So I think you hit the nail on the head in regards to just having that work-life balance and doing things that are, are fit for you and your daily grind, able to stay focused and not have that burnout down the road. So super important, really great motivation. Uh, for our listeners out there. So yeah, speaking of a daily grind, so we, we talked about Elena, your daily schedule, you're helping a lot of great women out there with with their health with with helping them stop binge eating for good getting their period back without the pill and finding balance with food and fitness. What's on your daily grind later this year? I haven't thought well, I have thought about it. Actually, what am I saying? I have a whole thing here <laughs> with uh, my 2021 goals. I forgot. <laughs> so I think really the main goal is right now with business wise, it's expanding to, like I said, becoming more of a resource for all of women's health in general, which is like against my old marketing knowledge. But at the same time, it's just like, again, this is like me practicing, tuning into my intuition with my business. And intuitively, it feels right to me to start to expand more to more areas of women's health, still help all the people I'm helping but be able to, you know, speak to these other women's health issues. So that's something more vague, but something that I'm going to be, you know, going into more. I also, like I said, want to be creating more of these like tiers of resources for all the different women that need my help because, you know, my one-on-one coaching is my highest ticket, most uh, involved offer where those clients get access to me just like 24 seven, basically. And that's my most expensive offer. Group coaching is a lot of support too, but I want to be able to have, you know, more free and lower ticket offers for people who need that help. So that's another thing. I'm literally looking at my board. Personally, once I'm really recovered from this burnout, I'm excited to get back to like more uh, intense lifting and build my strength levels up. But yeah, so I would say 2021, I'm hoping it's going to be a year of like 2020 was a lot of growth for me. 2021, I think needs to be more like settling into my my, I don't want to say balance because it's such like an overused word, but settling into balancing that growth with also just my own personal stuff and just settling into that. I would say that's, that's yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah. But we'll see. We're excited for you here on the daily grind, excited for you expanding, you know, helping out people. Lots of great women's health issues are super important today's uh, age and down the road will always be forever, I would say. So 
uh, as we say on the podcast, keep up the grind. So uh, speaking of motivation and inspiration from you, Elena, do you have a word of the day to, to motivate our listeners out there or even a quote or a saying? Ooh, a word of the day. I usually, I usually have quotes on here that I really like. Okay, this one's been good for me lately, and this is a little bit woo-woo, so everyone bear with me. I'm typically not a spiritual person. I grew up without religion, but it's been really helping me lately to try to dig into the spiritual side a bit more, and especially with COVID, try to like feel more held by just the world and the earth and the universe in general. So this one that I have on my board says, what I want is already on the way. I surrender and trust the timing. I like this one because it helps me to just, you know, feel that, that I, that or trust that I know, you know, I'm, I work hard. I put in the effort. I have these like true, pure intentions and goals and just trusting that, you know, what I want and desire because I believe it because I imagine it because I can, I can create it, that it's going to, it's going to come my way. So I think that can sometimes help just trusting the timing and understanding that you don't have to rush the process of where you want to be. A lot of us try to rush. I do the same thing. So that helps me sometimes, especially when I'm like feeling really antsy to be where I want to be. Just remember to stay in the moment, trust the timing. You're putting in the work. It, it will manifest itself eventually. Yeah, really well said, Elena. I think that fits perfectly with today's episode and your story in regards to helping women with their health issues and, and, and also with you know trusting that process, trusting the relationships overcoming those challenges along the way to help achieve your goals down the road. So that's awesome. Last but not least, Elena, if our listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you after the show, want to sign up for one of your coaching programs, you know, sign up for a membership, how can they do so? Yes. So go to Elena Kanicki underscore RD on Instagram. That's my main platform right now. So yeah, come visit me there. Shoot me a DM. I respond to all of them, even though it gets a little bit difficult sometimes. I pride myself on answering the DMs and I love hearing from you guys. So shoot me a DM on any questions you have, business, food, exercise, hormone related. Uh, just, yeah, message me. Wonderful. We'll put Lance's contact info where, where, where to find her on Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in today's episode. A big thank you to Elena for being on the podcast. Hey, Daily Grinders, join us in kicking off the NFL Draft this year. The Daily Grind Podcast is hosting a free virtual event on Tuesday, April 27th, Road to the NFL Draft, where we talk to two special guests and to learn more about sports motivation, career mindset, and overall goal setting in one of the biggest sports events in April. And of course, win some prizes. Thank you to our sponsors, Wilson Sporting Goods, Aura Sports Drink, Trust the Grind, Grow Your Muscle Studio, Humble Bears Clothing, Gear FM, and the Sports Headline Podcast. Head over to our Instagram, Twitter, or website to register. Hey, Daily Grinders, we want to feature you on the pod. Send us a fun fact. Use the online form in our show notes to submit a fun fact. Can't wait to give you a shout out. Thanks for tuning in to the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and comp our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. Thanks. This is so fun. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian. Thanks also to our podcast team, Aiden Donaldson, Paige Albright, Lauren Ricks, and Mike Finkelstein.